live from the Hollywood Improv, it's the Nighttime Show! I'm Mike Black, the voice of the Nighttime Show. With us, as always, our head writer and producer, Matt Walker. Today, a very special guest, Hollywood royalty, star of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Sliders, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and coming soon, Bad Cupid on February 12th, Mr. Jonathan Rhys-Davies! And now, your host, one host to rule them all, Stephen Kramer Glickman! Hey, John Rhys-Davies, it is an absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for doing that. Big round of applause for Mr. Mike Black. Well done, well done, sir. Great hey, intro. Hey, man. <laughs> I think he needs a nap now. Rule them all. Find them. One host to bring them all. And in the darkness, bind them. Well, there's the commercial for the podcast for the next 100 years. <laughs> that is. Oh my God, that's incredible, man. We're we're all such massive fans of you for all sorts of different reasons but um before we get into talking about uh you know the your, the history of your career let's talk about bad cupid real quick because uh this is a this is a movie you just did you're starring in this movie and it comes out uh right before uh valentine's day uh what what can you tell us about it well it's a it's a it's a delightful little script uh and uh, uh, and I just thought the idea of a very old and rather grumpy crew Cupid who really doesn't like people uh, <laughs> continuing to do the job uh, was was such a, a lovely and attractive idea. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 rude, anarchic, uh, and and. And, and what I think is interesting is there is that there is that sort of that that palpable sense of the violence of love there. Um, there's a wonderful poem, "Loves the Big Boss," at <laughs> whose side forever slouches the shadow of the gunman. It's antelope and pool, and the tiger too that crouches. Um, uh, apropos of absolutely nothing there to the but but there you know I love no but that. I've dated I've that girl <laughs> that, that poem hits home for me <laughs> uh, if any of your listeners can actually identify who wrote that poem for me I'd be most grateful I've never found it oh. uh, I, I I saw it I I saw it when I was about twenty in a magazine just that just that little clip from it and it was instantly memorable and how does that go I again that it was in- yeah let's- loves the big boss at whose side forever slouches the shadow of the gunman it's antelope and pool and the tiger too that crouches well don't hmm. matt i know you want to tell him right now but don't <laughs> because listeners if someone gets us that We'll give you a nighttime show something. We'll send you a mug or a t-shirt, something like that. Did you find an answer, though, Matt? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Ooh, so it's... Oh, it is a It tricky. is a mystery. It's a little yeah. ambiguous. Yeah. 
Matt is the smartest of the three of us, and uh, he, uh, he usually is able to figure things out pretty quickly. So that is yeah. a good stumper, man. That's a uh, that, God, yeah. That, um, that's a great book. It's though. got yeah, it's beautiful. got the feelings. It's got the feelings of a 1930s poet, doesn't it? You know, you expect this to be Auden or Isherwood or somebody like that. Now I couldn't pull um, this off, but you know, from now on, you can just say you wrote it. <laughs> people will believe it though with that voice they'll be like yeah he definitely wrote that for sure for sure <laughs> all right i i think i'm gonna have an answer but i have to create an account on a academic research paper website to read the paper <laughs> wow. where it's cited so wow. really because okay. yeah. it's it's apparently cited in a in a journal article called power its ubiquity and legitimacy by tv smith from 1951 oh my god there was in, a guy named tv in 1951 <laughs> in the american political science review it's it's referenced in this guy's article but i gotta create an account to be able to read it so All i'll right, do that we'll later. figure it out we'll figure but i'll it find out. it i'll very, let you know very impressive um, yeah. Well, uh, that is very impressive. Yes, <laughs> I don't think I got it there. I think I, I, I think uh, you're not a big fan yeah. of TV's articles. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I, I, you know, it's just there are so many. Uh, uh, there are so many specialist journals mm-hmm. uh, that uh, th- th- um, there was something about. Uh, I don't know the the. the the Journal of Production something or other the other day that uh, an article caught my eye from somewhere. Um, uh, You know, there are specialist journals that we never hear of that sometimes have really fascinating articles. Um, One of the things that's been driving me nuts at the moment is this, this new science of history called Cleodynamics. Um, Cleo is the muse of history, as you know. Sure. Uh, and in 2010, the science journal Nature uh, did a series of articles on what to expect from science in the next 10 years. And uh, six weeks later, it published a, uh, uh, an article, I believe, by a man called Peter Turchin, who said, well... Look, let me tell you what is going to happen in the next 10 years. In the United States and in England, there will be constitutional crises around 2019 and 2020. Wow. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Forgive me for, uh, I mean, paraphrasing pretty complicated arguments that simple minds like mine don't get. But basically this, there is now enough big information around and enough computing power around to be able to detect cycles that are repeated in history. This is almost like Asimov's, you know, uh, Galactic Encyclopedia or whatever it was, you know, where you can... yeah. yeah. Um, if I was a 20-year-old again and thinking of an academic career, cleodynamics would be the area that I would be most interested in. 
Really? Um, I, anyway, that I pass that on apropos of nothing, really. Uh, no, but it's fascinating. <laughs> no, that's a, it's an that's amazing. It's an amazing. I mean, you you've had such an insane career. Oh my God! I mean, you re- when you know sometimes. Sometimes people throw a word like you know legend around or Hollywood royalty or things like this. That 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 term gets very overused in this in this business. But you really are, man. You have you have worked on some of the most incredible, wonderful films you know in history oh, yeah. and, um, and TV series and TV series yeah. and 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 even like an- animation and video games and all sorts of stuff that has been groundbreaking. You know stuff like um, how how did how did you get started in all of this? Were you uh, did you did you go to school for it? Was there you know uh, proper training as far as theater and things like that? The very first play I saw, I was just eleven, coming up for twelve, and it was the Oedipus Rex. <laughs> wow! Oh my play. God! Wow! Yes, that is you, a tough one. In that's, no, no, that's not fucking our town, you know. <laughs> and when Oedipus comes on, having put his eyes out, yeah, for yeah. being so blind in in terms of, of 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 the real world, I knew exactly what what I later discovered was, well, later that day I discovered, I discovered Aristotle's definition of tragedy. I went back to the school library, the senior library, which we juniors were not allowed to go into, and I found Aristotle on tragedy, and I found and learned that day, tragedy then is the imitation of an action, complete and of some importance, acted, not narrated, in language enhanced by distinct and varying means, and through pity and fear, effecting its purgation of these emotions. I certainly saw pity and fear, and I don't know about the purgation, but there was such a an emotional power and drive and shock to me that it 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 really it really quite changed my life. Um, wow. I knew I was going to be a, a great tragedian. Tragedian. I was going to be. I was going to write the plays that you would now be saying, "Oh my God, he's a legend." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I did a lot of Shakespeare at school, and then I was a founder studio student at the University of East Anglia, where I, I I created the drama society and kept the best parts for myself, of course, for three years. <laughs> and, um, then I taught for a year and went to RADA. Left RADA Sunday night. Started work in the theatre Monday morning. Did about about thirteen years of theatre on and off, I suppose. Wow! Um, uh, and including some interesting little bits of television and film. When I, my, my, I think my first film was was called The Black Windmill. Um, um, Michael Caine thing. I I, I think I I don't think I'm even credited it. Yeah, it says maybe you, they have, it you says are. uncredited on IMDb. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, in there. Uh, 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 you are I, uncredited I get, as fake get, military policeman. Hmm. <laughs> well, of, I get blown up before the main title. Um, <laughs> of, of all the the theater that you did uh, during that time, during those during those years, is there anything that stands out? Any plays or or? Uh, um, 
dare I say, musicals, anything that you did during that time period that stands out to you as a favorite? Uh, well, you know, re- repertory acting is a wonderful thing. It's wonderful to make your mistakes in front of 300 people <laughs> rather than 30 million or 300 million, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a great thing for a young actor to think that he has got a new way to play the character and to get on the board on the first night and start playing the character in a way that hasn't been done before and to receive that absolute silence from an audience (laughs) that means they hate everything (laughs) you do. Well, we're all stand-up comedians, so we're familiar uh, with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You've been treated to that silence. <laughs> yes. And, and, and to actually die on the stage <laughs> and think, oh, God, I've got three more weeks of this to do. <laughs> and I can't – it's obvious I am – they don't like this element of <laughs> – and to have to try and – Regraft it, rethink it, and uh, yeah, hmm. great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't you, did you not find this that you learn more from your failures oh, than you course. do from your successes? 100%. Absolutely. Oh, yes. my God. I have learned yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we've had uh, just just on our show alone, like learning how to you know how, how to do things and how to you know, like. We we were doing our show live for many many years here at the at the Improv with hundreds and hundreds of people in the audience and we would try out bits and we would try things and try to you know uh, like so many things that just failed miserably but <laughs> but we figured it out over time and we got better and better at it until we were able to to really have some significant like good success in it but yeah. yes that's right but it is it it is amazing you know. I probably had quite a few decent notices and reviews in my lifetime. I can't remember any of them. <laughs> but, but that review in The Guardian, you know, which said, but poor John Reese davis cannot rise to the... You know, I got that fucking <laughs> oh, brain. I mean, that's, that's 50-odd years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, now, when <laughs> I met Stephen oh. 17 years ago... yeah. Uh, he was touring in a musical that was a sequel to Fiddler on the Roof. Which yeah, is a- it was an, <laughs> an, an, uh, an unauthorized sequel to Fiddler on the Roof called A Stoop on Orchard Street, yeah. one and- of the worst piles of shit ever <laughs> written for the stage. And when I landed it in Los Angeles... It answered all the unanswered questions you, from your, the, the your original... Your big review... Our big review was Backstage West, mm-hmm. and Backstage West here in California said... Um, it said uh a stoop on orchard street is a moldy piece of ham (laughs) slathered in cheese being passed off as a jewish delicacy wow and then i think it was in chicago is where they said yeah stephen glickman is loud (laughs) 
That's all they they said. said. (laughs) Chicago Sun-Times said, the show is terrible. It's the worst thing to happen to Chicago since the Chicago fire of 1914. And Stephen Glickman is loud. That's all it said. And I got got Stephen Glickman is loud on a a hat. I got it printed on a hat so I could wear it around town because I thought I was very proud of that. Um, yeah, bad reviews, man. There I, is something. Can I share magical. the worst one I ever got? Mm-hmm. Yes, Mike. Of course, in of course. High school, the uh-huh. Denver Post came out to see a play that I was in, and they <laughs> they said Mike Black is not funny or good. <laughs> However, <laughs> his second chin balloons up like a startled iguana at certain points, and I found that enjoyable. Oh my. <laughs> God, are you kidding me? This was a 70-year-old man reviewing a high school student. And I was like, son of a bitch. You didn't want to throw yourself off a bridge. That is fucking brutal. My dad was like, are you sure you want to go into entertainment? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I'm going to learn from this. Oh, my God. Now, I'll have to say this. Uh, Early on, you were in a project that got certainly rave reviews, not bad reviews. And that is, you were an I, Claudius pretty early on in your career. Um, and yes. that's sort of thought of as like a, a landmark miniseries. I remember I watched it when I was in junior high school. It was being rerun on PBS here. Um, and I watched it uh, mainly because there was nudity is why I was excited about it. But <laughs> still, it, it sort of hit home as like a really dramatic telling of the story of Rome and what was going on there. And, oh, and my the God. Emperor. And that cast. And the cast. I mean, you and John Hurt. Derek and Jacoby. Brian Blessed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a fucking, that's gnarly. Well, was mean, that? And Patrick Stewart, for God's yeah, sake. Was that like sort of like a big step in your career when, when that came about? Well, it wasn't that big a step. You know, it was, uh, you know, when you're young and you're ignorant, you don't realize how important things are that you get to do. You know, we were a bunch of good, young, youngish actors. Um, you know, I, I, I was, what, three years out of drama school or something, or two years out of, I don't know, something like that. Uh, it was a gig and, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, it, it's only when you look back at uh, at the thing, or you see the final thing. You know, uh, I mean, Derek was brilliant. Yeah, in it, Derek Jackson. Oh yeah. Um, and and um, and blessed. I think it was the finest part that blessed has ever played, uh, and that's 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 such a tragedy because there's a, there's a lot of years yeah. between <laughs> between then and now. Um, yeah, blessed is one uh, is is one of the great forces of nature, um, <laughs> and he and and I love the man, and there is an intelligence and a courage and a spirit uh, there um, that, that that is unique uh, mm-hmm. amongst actors. I think um, the problem is that he is he is so powerful that very few directors know how to handle. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what he what he craves, and there's never, apart, apart from Herbie Wise in that series, uh, he um, he's never really found a, a, a director who, who, who could say, who could just, ju- just move the fingers together just to say, just as to say, wonderful now, less. Less, less, <laughs> and yeah. and and in Claudius, 
what he does with those interested, murderous eyes is <laughs> just extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm hoping that there is st still time enough and opportunity enough to do a movie or two of my own. Um, uh, and I've, I've written a part for, 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 um, for him that I'm, I, I'm hoping that he will, that, that we'll be able to get the money to do. But, uh, but, um, you know, there is, it, it, it's one of the great sad things about life when you look at real talent, real talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you keep looking around saying, look, doesn't anybody know how to get the, you know, to develop this talent, to use this talent properly? Oh, you know, yeah, 100%. It's, yeah, and it is incredibly the, frustrating when there, when when you see somebody that is, an, you know, unbelievably funny or unbelievably talented and, and the, the industry just hasn't figured out what to do with them yet. It is. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, and Brian uh, Blessed it, um, is, you're right, he is extraordinary. I, I saw the final episode of Toast in London, and he has mm -hmm. one line in the entire thing and just steals the whole show, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he has so much presence. Yeah. Oh, that's... Well, you know, he's just, you know, some some people are just so imbued with, you know, real vitality. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, uh, 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 the life force is strong in him. Um, uh, and uh, I, I love the man. But then, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, Pat Stewart, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that was the first time I killed Pat Stewart. Uh, not many people can. <laughs> no. <laughs> not many people get to kill him once. You know? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Whoa. I'd be happy to kill him just one time. <laughs> what, what was he? What's, what was Patrick Stewart like to work with? Oh, he was wonderful. Um, I mean, they were all. You know, the great thing about you know stage actors is is most of them are grounded in the sense because because we have made mistakes. You know, because, you know, we've come off feeling, oh, my God, I was awful. Um, and, you know, and, and had to sort of, well, you guys as performers know this, you know, that that terrible thing when you really had a bad show and, and you think, oh, I, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm just <laughs> useless. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's where you get the. Uh, the courage to to get back the next night and try and fail again and uh, and and just keep trying and just keep working at it. it it's practice i mean acting is a muscle unless you unless you use it you sort of get flabby about it <laughs> <laughs> hey matt before we continue this show we really have something big that we have to announce mm -hmm. i have to announce it right now okay. it's a big deal 2020 is a very exciting year it's a big it's a big year buddy mm -hmm. because it's the 75th anniversary uh, of what 75 years old who's 75 i'll tell you who's 75 it, it, it's not william shatner 
It's not George Takei. No? It's not Leonard Nimoy. It's Sennheiser. Sennheiser. Oh. Sennheiser, the microphone uh, and audio company, the company that provides our amazing microphones and our incredible headphones that makes us sound so incredibly Yeah, we just got a whole new setup, these MD42 microphones, the HD25 headphones. These things are awesome. I love them. And these guys, they're the top. This is top-tier microphones, top-tier headphones. If you are looking for uh, audio equipment, if you are a a singer-songwriter, if you're a, a voiceover actor, if you're if you're trying to get into the podcast game, Sennheiser is the way to go. If you're an audio engineer, don't go anywhere else. Go straight to Sennheiser. If you have someone in your life that loves audio, this is the place to do it. Sennheiser's the way to go. Uh, go to Sennheiser.com. That's S-E-N-N-H-E-I-S-E-R.com. And uh, all right, let's get back to the show. Yes. What's, anyway, what what are what, what are what are some ways? Just because I know that we do have a lot of people in entertainment that that watch this, and a lot of actors that I mean listen to the show. Um, what are some ways uh, to kind of stay fresh as an actor when you're when you're not working, when you're off? Oh gosh, when you're not working. Well, right, but but more than that. I mean, look, actors. Most actors are not specialists. Most actors are magpies. <laughs> be a good magpie pick up a different hobby every year uh, do things that you haven't done before um if you've got some money learn to fly it'll teach you to be a better driver um if uh but but you know f- f- find something new learn how to do card tricks perhaps one year um learn how to play uh, bridge perhaps I've got a part that I'm hoping to do later in the year that requires me to play bridge, and I don't think I've ever played bridge, so <laughs> I've, I've got to learn that. But then I've also probably got to look at learning how to play the cello as well, um, which is rather fearful. Um, uh, but, I, I, you know, I can fake it, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like there's a famous thing from the X-Men movies that uh... – uh, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are both playing chess, and it's a it occurs through all the films, and neither of them know how to play chess at all, and they they had to have someone else come in and do the moves for them. Wow, I'd never heard of yeah. stunt chessmen before that. You know? <laughs> now, did you have to learn? Well, he was my chess. He was my chess double. You know, <laughs> Now, did His you? His name's Nigel Short, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Now talk, I heard. Talking, talking speaking of, chess. oh, you go ahead. Then yes. No, you go. You go. You go. Well, well, my thing was, I heard that you sent your stuntman to get your Lord of the Rings tattoo. Is that correct? Look, come on. Those <laughs> drunken little hobbits and that little shit of an elf come back stoned and drunk out of their minds when we're down in Christchurch. And they've come up with this super wheeze. All of us are going to have, all of us in the fellowship are going to have um, the, the elvish word for nine, or is it, yes, nine, yes. Uh, tattooed somewhere on our bodies. <laughs> and, and, and this, of course, includes me, right. which I say, are you out of your tiny <laughs> Do you think that I'm going to allow a 
a, a Maori with a dirty needle to penetrate this God-given skin of mine. Not a chance. And they insisted, and then they said, it has to be, it has to be nine. It can't be eight. Yeah. It's got to be nine. So uh, I sent my little, I sent my little midget stand-in to, to have one. So he's got it. Um, uh, did so, that so is fantastic? Oh now, did my uh, God, <laughs> that's so amazing. Did Sylvester McCoy get it? Uh, no, Sylvester. Sylvester was in the um, was in the Hobbit, wasn't he? I don't know. Oh, okay, <laughs> different one. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. that is extraordinary. That yeah. is a great. What, is what's extraordinary about it? I mean, it's insanity. <laughs> well, I had a more your tattoo. quick thinking is, is the extraordinary part of like a uh, stuntman can do it. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, you know. The Lord of the Rings, those those movies, those those three films feel like they are on par with uh, with Star Wars and with so many with with very few other movies in history where you watch it and you completely forget that this is make believe <laughs> yeah. that this isn't real that these are you not you really are transported it to this really is entirely man. different world you it, know? it is it's one of one of the few times where i compl- i i you know like i i haven't even looked into the making of the things because i don't want it ruined because i love it so much <laughs> Do you know yeah. what i mean like it was just it was so it seems like such a magical thing so just hearing Anything about uh, working on it is just extreme. You choose to believe that he actually became four feet tall. I know. (laughs) I know you're taller than most of the cast. Like, that's that's, – Well, what's funny is I've seen all of the making of stuff, and it still holds up. It's like even when you know all the tricks, it's that good. How how did you end up getting involved? How did – how did it uh, that this this that that situation get started? Because it seems obvious now that you are perfect for it. But how did how did that how did that get started? Well, uh, I I had a, a message from my actually he's now my manager, uh, but he was then my new agent, um, uh, saying that they were going to do Lord of the Rings, and uh, it was it was this chap in New Zealand, and I I knew of. Um, yes. Well, I'd, 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 I'd heard this, this chap, Peter Jackson done a few, a few little movies. Uh, and w- when I, when I heard that he was going to do Lord of the Rings, I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's a difference between a forehander shot in six weeks and one with 21 leading characters, <laughs> um, and a cast of thousands. Yeah that you're going to shoot over three years. The complex, A, the film is impossible to, the book is impossible to film. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The structure is completely unfilm-like. It's a a very Nordic sort uh, sort of thing where, you know, A happens and, and, uh, and then you take a little riff off that uh, and 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 then you take a little riff off on the other character. Then you come back to the main thing again, and it, it's an it's an impossible thing to script, let alone anything else. Uh, 
But the idea that uh, that that New Zealand was going to be the place to do it, I mean, New Zealand is the far end of the world. Mm-hmm. To do a film justice like that, you needed the film resources of, you know, um, you, you know L.A. or London or Paris or Rome or something like yeah. that. You needed a, a level of excellence in so many departments. It was laughable. However, I thought, well, I've never been to New Zealand, and yeah, there's a little part in there. They asked me to do something, and yeah, I, so I think uh, I think I got. I can't remember which character it was that I auditioned for. So I did it and sent it off, and uh, heard nothing for a month or two, and thought, well, uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. You know, it's this. This film's never going to happen anyway. And then I got the offer to play play Gimli. I thought, oh God, I spent thirty years trying to be recognised, and now I'm going to be stuck in a bloody prosthetic. <laughs> I'm going to waste three years of my life. You know, and what we're going to end up with is one fa- one one little film and two uh, you know, which will probably be directed video anyway uh, <laughs> and people will say whatever happened to Reese Davis he, he he went to New Zealand didn't it and it all ended there didn't it? I mean uh, uh, so, and he uh, never came back <laughs> and, and he never came back um so I, I you know I said look I, I'm not sure that I wanted to do this and my now manager, then new agent, said, look, John, if if you turn down this part, I don't think we can continue to represent you, wow. which I thought was a bit mean. <laughs> I thought it was a bit shitty, to be honest with you. Uh, but the other, the other push was um, my number one son, Ben, who had come home from school many years before with Lord of the Rings at half term and shut himself in his room. And and we didn't see him for five days as he read Lord of the Rings. And he said, Dad, with respect, if you turn down this part, you're making a big mistake. Wow. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, if you think about it, you know, in every bookshop in the world, there is a, a... two feet of books, book space de- devoted mm-hmm. to Tolkien. Yeah. yeah. Just think of what that means in terms of a possible audience for this film. So reluctantly, I thought, well, I'll go to New Zealand anyway and just make, just confirm my worst prejudices <laughs> that this hasn't got a hope in hell. But you see, you, you, if, you, if you're shooting something in six weeks and something goes wrong, you can generally get out of it. Yeah. If you mm. got a 14, 18 month shoot and something <laughs> goes wrong, you dig a hole <laughs> that you may never get out of. Yeah. When wow. we did Shogun in Japan, mm-hmm. we were meant to be three weeks in Tokyo. We were eight weeks in Tokyo. And they finally sent a guy, an executive vice president out from MGM, I think, uh, with authority to cut an hour out of the show. Um, how we got out of that one is a different story and, uh, and it, it, it does devolve. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mustn't talk about it because he's now a very senior, uh, <laughs> film man, but, um, <laughs> and very good and very wise. Yes. Yeah, you yes. really are. He did an excellent job with Shogun. Is what he you're has amazing to say. hair. Uh, 
<laughs> Very handsome man. Uh, Wonderful man. Anyway, but you know, the, the point being, and you know, we did. I'd I'd done. Uh, I, I did War and Remembrance, um, which we shot around the world, which was eighteen months of principal photography and wow. things like that. You know, when you're involved in those big projects, uh, the logistics are the thing that matter. Uh, and uh, and to jump slightly ahead. Um, we did have that crisis in, in when we were shooting um, Lord of the Rings. We went down to Christchurch to do a sequence, which was going to take three weeks or a month or something like that. And you have to understand that South Island was very underdeveloped then. It, it's an agricultural sort of community, largely. There was, there was some tourism, but not a great deal. So when you move down to a place like Christchurch with cast and crew of 200 people with horses and, you know, and trucks to get there and all that sort of thing, you know, it's a pretty major, it's a pretty major show. Yeah. Our production office uh, was about three kilometers, which is about a mile and, uh, let, uh, yeah, Something like that. About, mm. about let's say a mile or two from the centre of town. Mm. We were all billeted in the town itself. It was not the tourist season. It was out of season. We were okay. The it started raining, and the rain was so severe that it washed out the hillside, <laughs> took out about eleven houses oh, wow. and the main road, and the main road which connected the production office mm -hmm. uh, and and Christchurch itself. Uh, what am I talking about? Queenstown itself. Mm -hmm. Queenstown is not Christchurch. Um, so now any communication between the two was a single track road of about 19 miles. <laughs> uh, wow. Oh, man. Uh, the rain continued. Uh it is the only time in my life that I have ever had to enter a hotel by stepladder. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my because God. Because the entire ground floor of the hotel was flooded. Oh, wow. That was the day the, uh, the call sheet went out. There will be no filming tomorrow because the lake is underwater. <laughs> oh, not only the lake, but an area probably about sort of you know, 20 square miles or so around it, probably more than 20 square miles. <laughs> so we did not film that day. And the next day we packed up and moved the entire tribe uh, to another part of New Zealand, and the following day we started shooting uh, a different sequence somewhere else, and then we came back to do what we were going to do some months later. You have no idea what the organizational demands of something like that. When you have, when you have a production of that scale, you need the organizational skills of a rommel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, just just the just the ability to to move troops from one point of the battlefield to a different part of the battlefield, yeah. and without wasting time or anything like that. When that happened, uh, 
for me, that was the final accolade for this genius of a man who not only had come up with the audacious idea of shooting Lord of the Rings, which could not be shot, <laughs> but produced a script which was awfully good, yeah. who cast it with, with perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Who, who, when I got there, because I, you know, I, I got there and thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just confirm my opinion that this is, this is just more <laughs> hope than, than, than substance. <laughs> and I spent, I spent every morning and every afternoon in a different department just checking out what they were doing. And yeah, I wasn't doing it, you know, in a, in a, in a, I've come to see what you're doing. It was, it was genuine curiosity, but also I was marking them. Um, <laughs> and I, I found to my horror that every single department had a level of excellence that you would only find in some of the great filmmaking capitals yeah. of the world. And there was an enthusiasm there that was beyond belief. And so, because I, I, I've been prepared to sort of, after a couple of weeks, you know, just go to Peter Jackson and say, look, Peter, I'm sorry, I, I, uh, I, I, I shouldn't have come. Um, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is I have, a, I have a, a dependent wife and I can't, you know, <laughs> I, 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 well, she was suffering from Alzheimer's, the beginnings of Alzheimer's. So I, oh. I did have an excuse mm-hmm. Uh, which I would have would would have used, but I would only have done it if I would been convinced that there was no chance. Uh, and anyway, he, he, I ticked all these damn things off, and I thought, well, let me go and see the way this guy directs, you know, his crew and 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 and, and his actors. And I watched him direct for a day, and just answer everybody's question with ease and effortlessness and. And and conserve their enthusiasm and encourage them, and I was hooked. You know, I I did a one eighty degree turn. I thought, Jesus, this guy <laughs> is he's created a film industry to serve this film. Yeah. This guy has got the full palette that yeah. a director producer has, um, and and um, I, I was the first idiot who who stood up at a press conference and said, gentlemen of the press, revise your expectations upwards. <laughs> wow. I have two predictions. I have, I have three predictions to make. Right at the moment, we were in com- competition with the new Star Wars, which yeah. was being shot in Australia. Yeah. I said, first of all, this film is going to outgross the new Star Wars at which point Peter Jackson buried his head. (laughs) Two, these films are going to be probably the most successful of the next decade. And three, in 20 years' time, when you look back on the significant films of your viewing life, Lord of the Rings is going to be there. Uh, One of the local popes said, one of the actors said, "Lord of the Rings is 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 going to outdo the new Star Wars," and then went on. You know, the sort of. Yeah. But you know, eighteen months later, uh, after after the first one had come out, mm-hmm. PJ did come up to me and reminded me of that, and he said, "Oh, by the way, uh, I, I, we've just actually outgrossed the new Star, the first <laughs> of the new Star Wars." Yeah. 
Um, but you, you know, if when you get the, when you've been a, you know, right at the beginning of your career, when you've got nothing to measure things by, everything is marvelous, but, um, but you can take it, you know, take it for granted. Uh, when you've been around the big ones, um, you get the smell, that extraordinary smell of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was, I, I am in awe of Jackson and his achievement. Yeah. Um, and I am so glad I was wrong. I'm sorry, I took too long. <laughs> no, 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 are you great. kidding me? No, and, that's incredible. Wait, oh, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. Before we, before we jump to that, I, I have a question for you, because when you're, when you're, um, um, uh, you know, just when you're making a TV show or doing a movie, and you're in LA or you're in New York or you're in uh, London or or somewhere Rome, like your family can come visit you while you're on the set because you're on a soundstage and or or you're on location but but when you're doing something for three years like like lord of the rings how did you what did you do did you fly home was there time to be able to fly home to to be with them or did they ever come out to visit you well uh possible you know yeah my, my my wife my darling old first wife um was 13 years older than me, and I think she knew even when right at the beginning of, of, of our marriage that something wasn't quite right. She would say odd things. One of these days, Johnny, you're going to lock me up and throw away the key. But I won't mind as long as I've got a, a window with a nice view to look out of, <laughs> which is a very – it's an odd little thing to say, isn't it, mm-hmm. which, I, you know, in, yes. in my – in my immature way, I say, oh, "Don't worry, Susie. I'll have probably strangled you by then, anyway." But, um, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, um, but um, but she was a darling girl, and far too, uh, far too, a very very clever woman um, with complete capacity for self-effacement. Uh, but she could disguise the fact that she was lose that things were popping out of her mind, and she did it for years. I, we did not know. All we knew is that she was getting scattier and scattier. Mm-hmm. But by 1996, um, you know, I I'd realized that there was something majorly wrong, um, and. Uh, uh, so she, it, it would have been possible to take her out to New Zealand, and she would probably have loved to come. But you, you know, you, she needed, she needed nursing. And by, by the time 1999 had come along, 2000, 2001, really she was, she, she was too far gone to be able to. By 2005, uh, she stopped talking mm-hmm. um, and closed her eyes. And um, and for the last five years, I don't really think that she opened them. Or if she opened them, I'm not sure that she saw anything. Uh, I think the last thing that she said to me, and I think I got it wrong. I, I mean, I think I've got it right. I think I heard it right. I think she said to me uh, about three years before she died, um, she said, bugger off. <laughs> and I, I cheered her on and said, Susie, Susie, go on, say that to me again. Say that. But she couldn't say it. She couldn't say it again. Um, 
so the answer to your question, and uh, and I'm, I'm sorry for that, is that no, I, I couldn't have brought her. My two sons uh, um, did come out and visit, and I did get back once or twice in those three years just to make sure that I still had a house and <laughs> uh, and all that. Um, but uh, but it is a major problem. Uh, right now, for instance, I have uh, I. I have a 14-year-old daughter, um, and we ha- I, I'm, I'm talking to you from my little place in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, uh, I, I, came, I, man- I had a return ticket, so I wanted to get out for Christmas, and I just managed to time it right, and then I had to go into lockdown. But now, of course, I'm caught in New Zealand, <laughs> can't get out, can't get back anywhere. And more, more, more worryingly, I can't seem to get hold of. Oh, well, I, I, I cannot see how I'm going to get a vaccination against oh. COVID. Oh. And and there are some projects coming up that everyone's insistent will happen in in Europe uh, uh-huh. and in South Africa in early summer. Um, so I can't travel at the moment, and I can't get back to England where I would be able to get a vaccination. Uh, uh, so it, it's all interesting. But Well, I um, think you'll be in the highest tier, uh, though, in any country, wouldn't you? They should have brilliant yes, actors I in the highest so. tier. I That's think. what they should do. They should have <laughs> the great brilliant, actors. Brilliant actors. The cat, first. Put them yeah. in the first in front of the line. Just right right behind first responders. Well, I, I'll tell you why, because... Yes. John Reese davis has been involved in some of the most important franchises in film and TV history because he's involved in James Bond. You're involved in Indiana Jones. And, of course, I'm talking about your involvement when you played Leonardo da Vinci on Star Trek Voyager. Uh, and anyone oh that was on Star Trek should be at the front it, of the line. Matt Walker. This is why we don't have a Trekkie <laughs> producing a show like this. This is why Trekkie shouldn't produce shows because this son of a bitch has never missed. He has seen every episode of every single Star Trek-type show and he knows Look, everything he's in one of the best oh, two-part episodes God. in the history of star trek it's great he's a holodeck character uh, aliens steal the holodeck in in a strange way and he winds up on an actual planet where he's running around and he helps helps kate mulgrew escape the people and get the technology back <laughs> and it's an excellent episode and you do a fantastic job sir that's all i want to say <laughs> And I am playing Leonardo da Vinci. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he kept calling her Katrine, uh, which was great. That's right. Wow. His face just lit up when you when you <laughs> dipped into that character. <laughs> My impression. He's like, of yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, Matt. Before we continue this show, I got to talk about something that is it, it, it's crucial to our show. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for this company, we wouldn't really have a show. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about Zoom. Okay. Zoom recorders. The Zoom Corporation. They provide us with one of the damn coolest things on the market. What, what, are, we, what are we recording our show? We're recording on? right now on a Zoom L8. Oh, it's, it's so awesome. It's so cool. It's yeah. so beautiful. We can do anything with this thing. Now, Zoom uh, was established in Tokyo. It's based in Tokyo, and they have been equipping creators around the world, innovators in uh, audio equipment. These guys just don't stop. Whether you're a classically trained pianist or a run-and-gun filmmaker, they have a, the, the item for you, the recorder for you. Mm-hmm. It will fit in your bag, and it will fit in your budget. Uh, and we've gotten to record our show all over the damn world. Epcot Center, LA Convention Center, Ed Asner's house. Oh, my God. So cool. Yeah. So check out zoom-na.com. All right. Let's get back to the show. 
<laughs> I was I was going to bring up uh, Sliders. I love mean, that show too. Oh, God, Great you show. were so yeah. good on that show. Oh my God! And you wrote, didn't you? You wrote uh, some of the show in the in the early days of the show. Is that right? Oh, that's no, no. I would like to have written some of the mm-hmm. shows. They, they they stole an idea off me, um, in, in order to kill me off, uh, which yeah. I thought was rather sweet. Um, <laughs> we, I mismanaged that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 um, I, you know, it is a mistake to imagine that in television, the, your primary purpose is to do the best job that you can. Uh, the primary purpose of most people on a television series like that is to make sure that they've got their job for the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we would get bright kids from UCLA or, uh, or, or, or NYU sending in perfect scripts, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, and I would show it to the line producer and he would come back and say, I read it. We actually don't have a show for next week at the moment. This is absolutely perfect. But the, uh, the producers don't want to let anybody into the writing. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you, I, I, I love writers because I've worked with real writers who have had real ideas and this sort of thing. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I found, I, I, I found working with people who had no knowledge of science to begin with. <laughs> Uh, and actually had, hadn't even read any science fiction, yeah. some of them. Oh, my God. Um, I, I found that, that pretty hard. I remember walking down in Westwood uh, in, in, in L.A., and a man ran up to me, uh, and he said, hello, um, he introduced himself, and he said, look, I teach physics at UCLA, um, and the request I have is that whatever you do, you don't, you don't turn um, Max Arturo into into a, a figure of complete mockery, mm-hmm. because I can start I can start my classes off with a discussion of of last week's episodes and what the real science is behind it, and it is so hard to get young people interested in science, uh, and and I. You know, you are one of the very few figures uh, on television uh, who who is representing science and 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 hard thinking and stuff like that. And it is, you know, when you've got the, the, the what was it the the average child in the United States is watching at least fourteen hours of television a week, mm-hmm. um, and I think that must be an understatement. Probably more than that. Yeah, um, you know, that's a huge responsibility. Uh, if you are engaged in entertainment. And um, we need science, and we need critical minds, and we need skepticism, and we need, we need children particularly to understand that of all the things to be passionate about, intellectual passion is as important as anything else. Mm-hmm. The joy in ideas, the joy in... The, the excitement of pushing the boundary of, of an idea or principle or thought. And 
uh, and that. And if you can, if you can express that in a show, then you really do something positive other than simply entertain. There's nothing wrong with simple entertainment. I found, I thought that Sliders had the greatest potential of any show that I've watched. Uh, you can go anywhere in space, anywhere in time. Um, and, you know, when you start seeing what we were doing, you know, we, do, we did the Light of the uh, Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. We, we cribbed a bit of Asimov's Robots. You know, we did uh, we did the Island of Doctor Moreau. Mm. We did uh, Twister. Only our Twisters were different. You know, yeah. a, a standard Twister is small at the bottom, big at the top. Ours were big at the bottom <laughs> and small at the top. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you would you know you would go in and you would you'd see the script and you think, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. There was one episode with the with the atomic bomb, which is a terrific episode, um, uh, you know. And you know, I had the greatest difficulty in because I, you know, I, I my, my physics was fifty, you know, fifty years before or something like that, or forty five years before. Um, and slowly, I put it together, and and I realized that when they were talking about spectacles. Uh, on uh, uh, surrounding the sort of uh, the, the great pro- the great problem with, with with those early atom bombs is you, you wanted an explosive charge to arrive at the same moment so the neutrons all arrive mm-hmm. you know in, in uh, are compressed in exactly the same point at the same place uh, so that you get the enormous pressures. Yeah, you need that to get uh, the cascade reaction. Them. Yeah, yeah. And, and and in but you want them all to arrive at the same uh, at the same time. Now those closer obviously are are, are traveling a, a, a you know a less distance to go. Mm-hmm. So they put spectacles on them, by which they mean they they used uh, plates of aluminium and stuff <laughs> like that, or plates of <laughs> different metal, in order to slow down. The you know the the the, uh, the the electron movement through it, mm-hmm. um, or the neutron movement through it, and, um, uh, but but our guys really hadn't understood that, and they were they were talking about you know literally putting some glasses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, oh. You know, and and you you you'd have to. Uh, there was another time where, uh, in fact, there's a neutron star, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, uh, and you know, I, I I went into this thing, and not only is there one neutron star and en- entering the solar system, but there are actually now going to be two neutron stars. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I said to the guys, um, he, uh, do you understand the? physics of what you're proposing we've checked it out with a guy uh, you know a good scientist mm-hmm. i said you did yes and you could have a cluster of neutron stars um uh, I, 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 yes you could have a cluster of neutron stars i said but uh, you know when you're talking about a cluster in space you're talking about something that's probably 
hundreds of light years yeah, apart. Trillions and You've trillions of miles apart. Star coming into the solar system. This is this is. <laughs> they would immediately collapse into one another. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it rotates. I said yes. Yeah. But, you know, they rotate. Some of them rotate something like you know seven, eight, 14, 70 times a second. Yeah, <laughs> putting out this God. beam of. Uh, you yeah. know, it, oh. it, it, it was it was a tough one. Do we, can we can we just blame Jerry O'Connell? Can we just say <laughs> it's Jerry O'Connell's fault? <laughs> it's it's always Jerry's fault. The cast, the cast was wonderful. Yeah, and and um, and it, I, I go on about it because because it's a sore point for me. Mm-hmm. We had a show. That could still be on the air. It could have been America's Doctor we, Who. That oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It could have been America's Doctor Who. It could have been. Uh, it, it could have been the equivalent of a Star Trek franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, the problem was the people in charge had no idea of what they really had, mm-hmm. of the potential of what they really had. Yeah. Um, and 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 I, I'm so opinionated and uh, and so unsubtle that instead of winning hearts and minds and bringing them round to to my point of view, um, which I think I probably could do now, but at the time, you know, for God's sake, if you just, you know. Yeah. Why are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why, you know, why are we? You know, uh, it, it, you know. Then, uh, and of course, trying to get fired from a show like that. Oh my god! You know, it's the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, because they may not like you. They may want to get rid of you. But the fact that you want to leave. Does that mean he's got a better show to go to? Yeah. Uh, you know, what does he know that we don't know? Uh, no, we don't let him go. Um, it, 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 it was very funny that way. Um, well, you may have been the only thing keeping them afloat at different times, too. <laughs> you know, yeah. like having your uh, well, star credit there, you know. Well, I, I, you, it was... Uh, yeah, I mean, you also bring a lot I of gravitas. You bring a lot of gravitas to the work that you do. So. I didn't handle it as well as I should, um, and and I, I, I mean, so many of them are dead now. The poor right. Well, the, the lifetime of a producer writer, anyway, is pretty short. It's, yeah, yeah. You, you know, the 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 alcohol, the alcohol doesn't help. Um, <laughs> but. Um, well, we have a couple of we have uh, we have two questions left before we wrap up, and if we don't ask these, we're not we're not doing our job. So we uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we'll we'll make it quick, but I, I feel like we have to talk about your work in Indiana Jones. I mean, my God, man, just the best digger in Cairo, oh, in Egypt, yes. in Egypt, never knowingly undersold. We're going through a slack spot right at the moment, but if you want your garden fixed, I've got a crew that will come straight away. 
that would be one hell of a garden. I would, <laughs> <laughs> it really would be. Uh, uh, that's it's 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 uh, on on your work in those films is unbelievable, and and you're you're so funny, and you just bring you bring you know so much love into them. What 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 were they? What was it like to work with Stephen and uh, and and Harrison on on those films? The first one was. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, look, he'd just come from 1941. 1941, which is a very good film and mm-hmm. a very entertaining film, was regarded as a failure. Yeah. And, you know, all, all the sneering critics were saying, ah, well, the boy wonder has, uh, you know, uh, you know, the mask has fallen. We, what we need now see is that he is just an ordinary filmmaker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think he was a little bit hurt by that, but uh, it, it, it didn't show. Yeah. Um, uh, he got us together on the first day and he said, look, I've gone to 60, 70 takes on some of the recent films I've done. When I say print 70, people say to me, well, what was the difference between that and print three? <laughs> now, I can see the difference, but they can't. Mm-hmm. This time it's my friend's money. And we're going to shoot fast. <laughs> what I'm hoping we're going to do, what what I'm hoping that we're going to do, is we're going to slap the paint on the canvas uh, quickly. Um, and I'm hoping that there's going to be a freshness and an immediacy in there uh, that I think this particular film needs. Um, he said we'll even print mistakes if they've got life in them mm-hmm. um, wow. the script itself uh, th- th- that I saw was pages and pages of, of scene description um, I turned up on my very first day uh, on the dockside in La Rochelle the old submarine base in La Rochelle um, to do the last scene that I had in the film and um and uh, Stephen was sitting there, cross-legged, with a typewriter and typing. And I said, hello, what are you doing? Uh, and he said, writing your scene. I said, my scene just simply says, <laughs> Indian Marion, say a sorrowful goodbye to Salah. And he said, well, there's words involved. And I looked over his shoulder. I said, he wouldn't say that. He'd be more inclined to say da 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 So he looked at me and went, all right, da 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 Oh. By the way, your character, when he's high or happy, he bursts into Gilbert and Sullivan. Incorporate that at the end of the scene, will you? <laughs> and I drew, myself up to, I drew myself up to my full height, intending to say to him, Mr. Spielberg, I am a classical actor. <laughs> I need weeks and weeks to prepare. And I said to Steven Spielberg, all right. <laughs> um, and how did that song go again? <laughs> he is the very model of a modern oh, major general. British star <laughs> is a soaring soul, <laughs> as free as a mountain bird. His energetic fist should be ready to resist a dictatorial word. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's beautiful. Amazing, amazing. 
Well, hearing me sing, you find, must find it rather amusing to think that one time in my life when I was a lot heavier, I was mistaken for Pavarotti. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to us all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Oh, but it's... Um, God. But wow. I, 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 I just wanted to thank you guys mm-hmm. for, for being such, such generous hosts. Oh, of course. Uh, I think the truth of the matter is you are talking to one very lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you can get one great part in a lifetime, mm. you can sort of live off that. To get a, a great part every 10 years or, a, yeah. a, a, you know, that's, that's, really, that, that's really very, very lucky. Well, and... Um, and, well, I have some information to give you. I'm going to bleep this when we air this podcast, but I looked it up. And the poet that you want to know the name of is an uh, Irish Anglo poet who was, uh, I guess, poet laureate in 1968. Um, but the poem is from much earlier. Yeah. So. And I, I will, uh, I've got a screenshot of it, so I'm going to go ahead and email that over to your uh, agent or whoever it was we yes. through. So we'll get that Please over to you. Oh, that's very, that's yes. very, very kind of you. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to find the poem. Yes, yeah, it had the, the it had the feel of the thirties, doesn't it? Yeah, so it's you know, uh, the, it's love's the, though laughing matter. Gordon spends. Yeah, uh, so I have the I have the full poem yeah. here that I'm going to go ahead and send over to you. At least whatever the clip was that was in this research paper that I found it in reference. Then so <laughs> I'll just send it over. Great. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have sacrificed a lot and put so much of yourself into. Yeah, into the the roles that you've done and into entertainment and we are all the better for it i mean Absolutely. there's you know so many so many things that you've done and worked on that have brought yeah, i know it sounds it's so cheesy to say that it's brought so much joy to so many people but it really really has man like when i when uh, lord of the rings uh, the two towers came out on dvd i was working at blockbuster video uh, as a as a you know selling uh, renting movies to people and had very little going on and and I'm very you know was really trying to figure out how to make it get into the business and all this kind of stuff and up to that point in time I'd been basically I'd never partnered with anybody I never had a team I never had f- real friends in the business to work with and um uh when two towers came out I went back and watched fellowship and then watched uh two towers and was like oh you need to have people you have to have like a team <laughs> of people to work yeah. together to be able to create great stuff and to be able to make things and it it, it really did change a, a a bunch of things in my life man so you know i i uh, owe you forever for that and and i i loved you in it i thought you were incredible yeah well you that what a generous thing to say and and and, and how bloody lucky i am that uh, i've had the had the chance to 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 earn an accolade like that uh, obviously, Lord of the Rings really touched the hearts of many people. I mean, uh, you know, you go to fan conventions and people come up and say, you know what, my father was dying of cancer uh, and we were spending time together and uh, we would just watch Lord of the Rings over and over again and it just brought us, you know, so close together. Or I was going through a really bad time. I was depressed, and uh, you know, I could enter that world and uh, you know, and 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 feel alive and feel reinvigorated. Great art, uh, 
like a, you know, Tolkien is a giant. Um, and, and, and the sort of art that makes a film is a dream in which we're part of, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we need, we, we need glory and we need love and we need passion and we need you know, the great adventures of the mind if we are to, to endure life. Um, that, that wonderful philosopher of yours and poet of yours, uh, Toro, makes that terrible observation that, well, terrible in the, in, in the sense of uh, I- illustrating terror. He says, most men live lives of quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that even the most bravura of us would admit to those moments of quiet desperation in our lives. Yeah. And it's literature and it's music and it's art and film that, that sometimes provide the way out provide a key to finding our way out of desperation. And, uh, oh, well, gosh, I'm getting close to artist therapy. (laughs) I know. This is is amazing. No, but that's a a comforting thought, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That really is a comforting thought, though, to think that art impacts people in that way. It really does. Um, yes, do, it does. Do you uh, do you ever use uh, social media? Do you have any of those uh, those things? Oh dear me! <laughs> I have a Facebook page, which is generally which which my 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 wife does some work on it, and and my business partner in the Isle of Man, his. His partner is is very good at working on these things, and and I we do put stuff out from time to time. I, I I'm just not very good with computers. I I'm, I have difficulty just attaching something. I, I, I I'm about to claim my social security, uh, which I haven't claimed, uh, and um, right now the great impediment is that when I. When I registered my name for Social Security, it went down as John Reese Davis. Oh, uh, and unfortunately, in my passport, it says John Reese hyphen Davis. <laughs> so now, I, uh, now I've got to, oh, uh, I uh, <laughs> He's trying to uh, pull one like over that. on us. <laughs> that hyphen. You, you know, uh, I, I fail. I, I I run away from these things, and uh, and I run away from social media as well because I don't understand it, and I don't. Yeah, well, you don't need you it. Don't need real, you don't need to. You don't need to. Yeah. It, you know, it's you're it's, not missing much. Yeah, no, no, no. You've you, you've you've been to the minds of Mordor. You don't need <laughs> yeah. to, to be to the, in the minds of Instagram. You don't have to take a selfie there. You don't have to take a selfie there. Is perfect. Um, you are uh, an incredible person. I hope that we get to meet you in face to face someday down the road. Um, Looking forward to seeing Bad Cupid. Yeah, Bad oh, yeah. Cupid. I can't is, uh, wait to see you in a diaper with wings. Oh. Oh That's man! Oh God! <laughs> there's, 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 there's no diaper involved. <laughs> Even uh, better. <laughs> I'll take it. By the way, I'll take, I, I, I'll take I, that I, to the I, Isle I, of Man. I do, a, I do urge you guys to, 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 uh, 
to have a look at um, uh, at um, bad, uh, bad bad Cupid. Um, it was originally called Pricked, which I thought was rather good. <laughs> oh um, man! Oh, what a great name that would have been. Come on, great. But but um, yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's a first time out by a, a, a young team, and I think it's a lovely idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some super uh, there's some super stuff in it that that's very very funny. Well, you guys, you guys got uh, great uh, distribution. You're with uh, our friends at Entertainment Studios with Byron Allen and those guys, and that's how they connected us oh, wow. to to your producers. So it's a it's a big uh, yeah. deal for us too to be able to. We'll be watching. Oh yeah, we'll we'll be watching. We can't wait. Yeah, we'll, we're going to watch anything oh. you do. Yeah. Oh, you're very very kind. Very very kind. Well, you're allowed to say rude things uh, <laughs> uh, about me. I'm sure that I'm old enough to be able to take a few mud pies in my face. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, we'll stay. Of course, if I've got my axe and I'm in the prison, <laughs> do not expect to be able to get away. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope we do get to meet one of these days again. I mean, it's um, strange times. Yeah. Strange times. Let's get this man out of New Zealand. Yeah, come yeah. on. God, <laughs> come on. Everyone write your embassies. Oh, <laughs> this, 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 this man is safe in New Zealand. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Um, thank, thank God. Let's get this man but an I, injection. I have, That's what we need. I, yeah. I, I do have four movies to do this year that uh, uh, that I could certainly use financially. That's for sure. <laughs> and when your 50-year-old son decides that Having dropped out of Berkeley doing classics 30 years before, he now wants to go to university and study mathematics. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, just like have him solve the Hodge old. conjecture, and he can win a million dollars from the Clay Foundation and the Millennium <laughs> Problems. So See? There you go. Just steer him towards topology. <laughs> it's a million-dollar prize for that. So I, I steer this off into the nerdiest place possible. Again. I said, uh, if you have him study and he can solve the Hodge conjecture, there's a series of problems called the Millennium Problems by the Clay Institute, and you can win a million dollars for solving the problem. Now, oh, granted, that's right. that, they've been banging their heads against that, the wall for 100 years on that, but still, somebody's got to do it someday. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Well, somebody managed to get Fermat's last yeah. theorem, didn't they? Yes. Um, though they're still doing the checking, aren't they? they, they the, the original thing was, uh, the was, mid-90s. was found to be faulty on yeah, on page a hundred and something or something, <laughs> it? but it, it, it was revised. Yes, um, yes. I, I'm I'm completely innumerate, which uh, precludes me from a lot of joy. <laughs> uh, I remember. When, no, it do, it does actually. I, I remember walking as a, a, sc- a school prefect in my boarding school. I went into the sixth uh, the the prefect's lounge, and there was a chap called Scantle. And he had a piece of paper in his hands, and there were tears from his eyes. <laughs> and I went up to him and said, Scantleby, old boy, are you all right? Have you had some bad news? And he said, no. And he said, look at this. And he showed me this piece of paper, and it was some sort of differential equation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he said, it's so bloody beautiful. <laughs> and... And, and, and actually, he became a professor of mathematics at Manchester University. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, alas, I think he is dead. 
<laughs> but for that at that moment, I understood that there was an intellectual beauty that I would never be able to to share and appreciate. And uh, I envied those who can and do. And I see some beauty in the name Scantlebury because that's the greatest yeah. name I've ever heard that's in my amazing. life. <laughs> Scantlebury. Scantlebury. <laughs> uh, John, before we let you go, can I ask you a, a, a very small favor? Would it be a possibility for uh, just because you have the, such an epic voice uh, to, to just give us a little uh, uh, I'm, I'm John Reese davies and you're listening to the Nighttime Show podcast. Would you mind? Would that be okay? Well, let's try it then, shall we? <laughs> uh, we'll do just keep it, keep the mic open, and mm-hmm. um, and we'll 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 vamp a few, and then you 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 can pick. Great, perfect. All right. Hello, I'm John Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Nighttime Show podcast. Hello, I'm John Reese Davis, and you are listening to the Nighttime Show podcast. Hello, my name is Gimli, and you're wasting your time listening to the Nighttime Show podcast when you should be out drinking and fornicating. Um, uh, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's the that's, one. That's the yes, greatest. That is, <laughs> that's great. Mike Thank Black, you. I'm sorry you lost your job as yeah. our announcer. Oh, yeah. Mike Black, you're out. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the show. It means so much to us. Thank you so much. Well, you've been wonderful and generous hosts, and I thank you. By the way, uh, since we have cameras on mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, can I? The mist has now cleared. Can I show you the hell of my view? Yes, um, yes, please. Let's see. So, so you can see how how much suffering I, I'm having to endure. <laughs> let's see. Being okay. here, Steve's going to come over here and see in New Zealand. Oh wow! Oh my God! Holy crap! <laughs> That's incredible. How do you live through it? <laughs> oh my God! How have you that endured? Is gorgeous. <laughs> That's now, you see, you, 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 wow. You, you see that fence there? That just yes. divides off. But but if I if I go over that fence, then you will see some of the view that I have in the morning when I wake up. Okay. Wow. It is. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. That is gorgeous. All right, let's all go to New Zealand instead right, of bringing yeah, them back. We're yeah. done. We're done. We're moving to New Zealand. It's over. You convinced us. Uh, it's not easy being me, lads. I, 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 a bit of sympathy, you know. Oh yeah. A, a bit of um, a bit of understanding for a guy who's, you know, locked down in New Zealand. Well, isn't locked down in New Zealand. We're, we're sending thoughts and prayers right now. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant! Yeah. Brilliant! Uh, I, I'm I, I'm I'm not a I'm not in any conventional sense a religious man. Yeah, uh, and indeed I count myself a rationalist and a skeptic. But I have to tell you, um, there's scarcely a day goes by when I don't look up and say, "Thank you, God, for another one, another good day." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Fantastic! That's amazing. All right. Stay safe, stay strong, and we look forward to seeing you in the future, man. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Take care. Stay safe, all of you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Holy fucking shit. (laughs) That was awesome. That was amazing. He's so cool. Oh, man. I love that, like, you could just. 
hint at oh. the right thing and he would go with it and just oh. run with it you know it was like it was like talking to i don't i don't know man it's, it was so it's amazing. exactly how you want an encounter with someone to be you know mm-hmm. that's part of what i love about doing this is that you're meeting people under the best circumstance and you're allowed to be a fan you're allowed to say hey yeah. I really like this. You know, like if, if you meet him in a parking lot, you can't talk to him for an hour. Like, you know, but yeah. getting to do it like this was great. Such a fucking you know? great opportunity. Just saying it if is. I, if I meet him in a parking lot, I can be like, so can you tell me when you were Leonardo da Vinci? There's a chance you're getting maced if, okay. if you do that. You know? yeah. No, Worth you're it. so right, though. I mean, the you amount know? of time that we get to just sit and talk about... I was looking at some of the things that I had in the notes for this, and I was mm-hmm. like... Oh my god, we could can't we even could, get to it. Yeah, we yeah. could. It could never stop. We like, could we do could, we twelve could do hours pod, with him. We could do yeah. a John Reese Davies podcast. Yeah, yeah, for, for like a a year and a half. I was like, I wanted to be like, I wanted to like, I was like, we should talk about Victor Victoria. We got yeah. to talk yeah. about. 007. We didn't talk about the Untouchables yeah. series. We barely but, touched yeah. on Indiana Jones. Like we were yeah. just t- touching on little things, but it was like everything was so good, and he was so cool and, and so yeah. generous about talking oh, yeah. about things. Like there was none of that. Like oh, I don't want to talk about that thing or this yeah. it was just like right there in it man, you know man. yeah Fantastic. this director that got him for uh, uh for bad cupid bad cupid yeah. this is the first time director so i talked to him yesterday mm-hmm. and uh he this it's it, it's like bad santa basically it's yeah. the same kind of movie yeah. but with well with well, john i mean yeah that yeah oh, god yeah i mean some serious stuff dude pretty badass i think they only shot with him for like six days which awesome. is fucking incredible. So yeah, I'm super excited. Can't I'm wait to check that out. I'm dying for any sort of comedy to watch right now. That's, oh, yeah. that anything new is mm-hmm. so exciting to me, so I can't wait to watch that. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. All right, uh, Mr. Black, where can people find you? All social media, at Mike Black Attack. I also do a, another podcast called The Power Pals. It's a lot of fun and real dirty and nerdy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, look at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, uh, Matt Walker? Tell us about you and tell us your uh, podcast. Your other <laughs> there are links to everything at <laughs> funnymat.com. Uh, I do have another podcast with Stephen Glickman called Juror Number Eight, which is about my time as the mem- as a member of a jury for a murder trial of a man who killed and dismembered his mother, allegedly as part of a satanic ritual. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, so if you want to hear all about that in gory detail, you can listen to Juror Number Eight. Or if you're upset by me saying that uh, I think somebody can actually solve the Hodge conjecture, you can let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. <laughs> uh, you can always uh, get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Glickman on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok at Stephen K. Glickman, um, uh, uh, LinkedIn, all those fun places. Come find me. Come say hi. Um, yeah, uh, if you... If you want, uh, you can get me also Stephen Kramer Glickman on Spotify, uh, which is a very album cool coming album coming soon. Very excited about that. As well, that's crazy. <laughs> as as well as uh, two podcasts coming out. One uh, later this month, uh, Never Surrender with Western Sound and Acast is a. Uh, 
the show where I interview people about the worst thing that's ever happened to them, <laughs> which is great uh, and sometimes a little depressing, but mm-hmm. also the people we're talking to are pretty great. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul Feig and stuff like that. And then um, uh, I believe uh, coming in March is working uh, with Hot Pie Media out of Texas, which is a show where I interview the owners of companies and their employees, uh, which is uh, pretty good. Uh, substantially bizarre it's gonna be good um but nothing 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 to me is as fun as the nighttime show with my mm-hmm. buddies my my uh my nine my buddy <laughs> my, my buddy my, my uh, buddy and me uh my my buddies on uh the nighttime show so some of us are big enough to make us count as nine is what you're trying to say yes yes <laughs> i'm trying to lose weight but it's not working um <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the show. Uh, big thanks to Entertainment Studios for hooking us up with uh, such an incredible guest. That was fucking incredible. I can't even not use bad language to talk about it because I love it so much. You guys are the best. Thank you. Bye. Oh.